0: and Luke Payson. What's up, what's up, what's up? Hello and welcome to this edition of MMA Fancast. My name is Jim Mooney. My podcast partner uh, always will be Luke Payson. Uh, What we're going to be talking about is going to be basically about the world of MMA. Talking about some regional stuff. We're going to be talking about some um, UFC, Bellator, international stuff names that you know, um, some uh, names that you may not recognize, uh, but we're going to bring them up because we feel that these are important names and people that you should get to know. So um, I'm going to uh, let Luke, uh, my co-host, uh, Luke's going to tell you a little bit about himself and his interest in m and and anything that um, that has brought him to the table for MMA FanCast. Hey, guys. Hey,
1: everybody. I'm really excited to be doing this podcast with Jim. Really excited to be on MMA FanCast. Uh, We were talking about how FanCast is really about giving the opportunity for the fans to learn more about the sport, uh, particularly following and journeying with fighters um, as they journey, as they develop, um, as we do interviews with people on their way up, possibly maybe even after they stop fighting, things like that, to really get you more connected The fighters, even give you some names to start following on the regional circuit or as they continue to uh, rise up in, in MMA. Um, so I am a fan. I love MMA. I've also been a bit of a coach. Um, at one point I was doing USA uh, certified boxing for, for coaching some boxing, had, had some fighters take some fights in, in just pure boxing. And not to hate on boxing it is certainly beautiful, but Once you know MMA, boxing becomes a little bit limited, um, and you start looking for holes that are there that you can't exploit because it's not MMA. I actually had the opportunity to start and run a nonprofit ministry um, just outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Montgomery County for four years called Pursuit MMA, and it combined my passion uh, for faith and the gospel with my passion for coaching and teaching MMA and also just being a fan of MMA. And so I had fighters compete um, at the amateur and the professional level in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, and mixed martial arts. And probably my favorite memory as a coach, um, other than like all the athletes and all the family uh, time we had built together and we would take over Buffalo Wild Wings and watch UFC fights there and yell and scream at the TV and talk about who he wanted to win and predict and do stuff like that. But um, I got the opportunity to be a corner of a fight at the Sands Casino in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, which was special to me because I grew up in Allentown, Pennsylvania at the time where Bethlehem Steel was struggling and then closing and uh, just saw it lay there waste for about 15, 20 years until it was bought and turned into into, uh, the Sands Casino. So it was really special, it's a beautiful facility. The casino um and, and I really just like the opportunity to get back to my roots and be able to uh corner a couple different fighters there at the sands. Um and, and I'm also excited to be stepping away a little bit from coaching and getting more into um uh, doing the media stuff, interviewing fighters, talking to fans, coming up with our own takes on things. Um and also I've already been challenging Jim. We're gonna do some uh, Pick the fighters, whether it be uh, UFC fights or other fights. We're going to do some predictions and try to keep track of which host is better at uh, picking fighters. So that's going to be a fun time. So
0: that's a little bit about me. I have done picks in the past, and I'll tell you that I felt very confident every time I made a pick. Hindsight was always twenty twenty, and I would never fared so well. A couple things that, uh, that Luke had mentioned – Obviously, both of us with doing this podcast, MMA FanCast, we're both avid fans, not just uh, on the UFC scale or Bellator, but regional, regional action. And Luke mentioned that he was able to be part of a promotion and do things that I would consider behind the scenes because normally you as a fan are sitting there watching the event on TV, or you may even be attending, but you don't really get to see what it takes to put on an event. And I had that opportunity also. And so those are some of the things that we're going to be sharing and letting you know what it takes to put together an MMA event. Uh, Another thing that Luke had mentioned, and I I want to put this out there, Luke and I are both Christians. You will from time to time hear us uh, mention faith, talk about faith. Uh, maybe even mention our journeys and how uh, we were led to Christ. So that is an important aspect in both of our lives. With that said, this is going to be a clean podcast. So, you know, for the dads out there, the, the moms out there, this is something that you can uh, turn on, you know, if you're listening in the car, if you've got this, you know, streaming through a through an app, You can download us on iTunes or Stitcher. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that you can hear us, but you're going to be able to have your kids around and not have to worry that Mm -hmm. there's going to be some cursing or any inappropriate talk or even subject matter. Those two things are extremely important for us. We want this to be for everybody out there. Anybody can, uh, can listen and hear some things you agree with. You're going to hear some things you disagree with. And Luke and I both have fighters that we're fans of, some fighters um, we think are the villain and they're fighters you'll discover that we are on opposite ends of. Uh, a little bit about the backstory of MMA FanCast. So I don't want to call this as being reloaded, but MMA FanCast started probably about, let's say two years ago. And it was myself and another fellow by the name of Ryan Middleton. You're going to hear his name mentioned often enough but uh him and i started a website and just quick jaunt through that history eventually got to a podcast called mma fancast it just you know grew from our passion for the sport fast forward we took a break ryan decided he wanted to do some things different but pertaining to the world of mma that's a story that we're going to get into later so you're going to have to listen to Our future podcasts to find out that story the one thing that i like to talk about and i shouldn't say i like to talk about but it's been in the news for mma uh probably the last year and a half two years it's been an issue at least in my opinion and that is we just recently saw a fight where a fighter dropped down 10 pounds below his normal weight class and it was it was definitely an issue Many times a fighter has had issues on weigh-in where they stumbled in. Fights have been canceled because fighters couldn't make weight. There were health issues. Fighters go into the hospital. In my opinion, I, I think something needs done with that. So going forward, other things that you can look for on this podcast is we're going to be talking with fighters, fighters who have been through weight cuts, talking uh, about their experiences, both positive and negative, We're also going to be bringing in um, from time to time nutritionists to give us how that affects the body, what it does to a person, and the the recovery and what's involved in all that and why a fighter may have an issue with cutting weight and going down below what they normally weigh. So that just gives you a little taste of what to expect from MMA FanCast. In this episode, you're going to be hearing from one of the fighters who's going to be featured in the main event of 247 Fighting Championships that happens April 6th at PrinceScape Arena in Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania, which is about 20-25 minutes southeast of Pittsburgh. His name is Kama Worthy. That's a name that I think you need to keep in mind. I think you're going to be hearing some positive things from him. He's an exciting fighter. And he's got a lot of interesting things to say. And if you uh, if you stick around with us, we're going to have uh, the next three or four episodes, he's going to be featured with um, different parts of his interview. And he's got a lot of really candid and open things to say. Some things that were eye-opening for me, um, and, and I think for Luke as well, although, you know, let Luke tell you his version of it, but... Lots of good stuff coming from MMA FanCast. All right, so, you know, there's, um, I don't know if you've heard of CV um, Productions Incorporated. No. Well, they're not around anymore. Okay. That was the company that started all of this back in, in 1980 here in Pittsburgh for uh, for MMA. You know, they wanted, they. it started with two guys sitting in a bar and going, you know, having that conversation. Who would want to fight between Muhammad Ali and Bruce Lee? Sure. So, two different fighting styles and what would happen if they clashed and, you know, it just grew from there and they they started the tough man competitions. And so that's how like Pittsburgh, like these two guys are considered the godfathers of MMA. And um, I th- there was recently a show, I forget what it was, um, was a documentary about MMA um, and how it started. And back then, it wasn't called MMA. They just, they call it a different stuff like uh, right. Fighters, Chance, or something like that. And, and it was all over Pennsylvania. It just, it took off from there. The UFC didn't start till 93.
1: Right. Well, and, and to get back to the original MMA in Pennsylvania. Have you ever met, I believe his first name is Dave. Uh, the Iron City Muay Thai guys use, them at, use him as their ring announcer. He's a white guy, but has really long dreads, like past his butt dreads. I don't know if you would have recognized. You'd recognize him if you had seen him before. I've seen him before. So that guy carries around a book. That's the book you're talking about. With the same guy's Pennsylvania, 1980, because there's a picture of him in the book because he was the announcer for their first fight in 1980. Cool. And he's he's referenced in the book as uh, those two guys you said. They went out and they got voice announcer, this guy, to make themselves seem a little bit more um, reputable. So, yeah, so he carries that book around, and I think it is called The Godfathers of Fighting. It's a a book, and it's got the two dudes on the front, and it says, like, it has the pictures of how they advertise it. So I'm very aware. It just didn't, CV didn't, didn't ring a bell.
0: All right, so we're going to take a break from uh, what we were just discussing, and we're going to go to our guest, who is fighting for the lightweight title, the inaugural belt, for a brand new promotion in Pittsburgh. It's 247 Fighting Championships, the first fight, um, or the first event is going to be this spring. It is April 6th. Um, that's a Saturday, and it is at Printscape Arena in Cannonsburg. He is 12-6, and six, winners of five out of his last seven bouts. He's going to be taking on Joey Munoz. It is for the inaugural lightweight belt. And we are joined right now by Kama Worthy. Kama, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing good, man. Can I good. complain.
0: All right. So sometimes – um, in this world, we run into what's called déjà vu. It feels like <laughs> we're doing things we've already done. Um, I'll just let people know that I made a mistake and forgot to hit the record button. We already did uh, a few questions, but we're gonna um, just jump right into it and and get into what we want to know about comma. So you know, you've been doing this for what is about fifteen years, twelve, fifteen years.
2: About about 12 years, 12, okay. 11
0: years. And so you've got a number of professional fights yeah. under your belt. You've prepped. You've had a fight camp leading up to a title fight. And um, I was just curious if there's a difference between a fight camp when you're going into a non-title bout versus a fight camp that is leading <coughs> Excuse up to me. a title fight.
2: Well, um, I don't think – like, sometimes some title fights are uh, are five, five-minute rounds, but I don't think this one's going to be five, five-minute rounds, so it's just going to be three, five-minute rounds, so nothing changes. Like, it's, it's the same preparation, same amount of time. So, like, you don't really approach things differently because you're fighting a, for a belt. It's still just the same fight, and it's still the same amount of time. It's still 15 minutes.
0: Okay. So one of the things that, you know, has always – fascinated me is the weight cuts. And I've talked on another podcast about how, you know, me personally, my opinion is that weight cutting can be an issue. And, you know, I I think that there's some, uh, some need to maybe address it. And, you know, me personally, I've, I've got my own issues with weight cutting. I don't do it at all. I stay at the same level of um unfitness i guess you could say but so like what is your normal weight or are you pretty close to what you uh fight at, at uh um, lightweight
2: no, i like i'll probably walk around the biggest i'll get is like 184 185 mm-hmm. like i just got done like i have like I my little brother's fighting and three weeks and then another one of my teammates fighting in four weeks. So I'm helping them get ready for their fights now. So I'm training a lot. So I'm getting done with class and I'm like 165. I mean, like 175, 175. So I'm like 20 pounds over my weight class now.
0: Okay. So that camp, it's a slow process to get down to, uh, to 155. Yes. When is the, when does the bulk of that, that weight come off? Uh,
2: about six weeks out, six weeks out, six weeks out. I'll like cut out, six to seven weeks out i like cut out dairy products and stuff like that and then like cut my my start eating like bread and stuff so like my body won't retain as much water and then i'll naturally just drop down to like 170 and then just by making my portions a little bit smaller and spreading them throughout the day instead of like gorg, because usually your stomach's only the size of your fist so when you really eat a whole bunch you eat to point you go to sleep you're like sending your body into shock, basically. <laughs> like, you should be eating that. So I mean, I just eat. You eat strictly for uh, just for fuel for your body. Like right now, I eat, right now I'm eating whatever I want to. But when I start getting the fight camp, I'll be eating more, a lot more healthy.
0: Oh, me. so you're on the Jim Mooney diet right now? You just eat yeah.
2: You want. <laughs> I'm eating a bunch of pizza and stuff. So eating whatever I want to right now. But once I once I get. Um, about six weeks, about five or seven weeks out, I'll start, depending on where my weight is already to begin with, I'll start seeing like how much I have to cut down and stuff.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: A follow-up question on the, on the weight cut. What's the most you've felt the results of weight cutting in a fight? Do you remember a fight where you really felt great? That like, wow, that weight cut really wasn't that bad. And I felt great in the fight. Or is there a fight where you really felt drained and you realized you cut too much weight?
2: Oh yeah, my last four fights, my last four fights at one forty five, I went two Uh and two, and all of those fights, like I used to cut down to one forty five, I used to walk around one eighty and still cut to one forty five, and all those, like as I started to get older, my body, the density of my body was just different, my muscle Mm -hmm. layout was different, and every time I make weight, I felt like I was gonna die, like it was horrible, Mm -hmm. and I did, even though I won two of those fights, I still felt like garbage in the fights, and then I like, I like kind of get better as the fight went on but 40 it was just just too much yeah so i've had a little bit of both well
1: that that's a that's a good connection to it um now that you've been at 155 you can <laughs> feel a
2: difference now that you're not going down to 45 oh yeah you can take punch you can take punches a lot better um you don't really have to like refuel the fluids around your brain and stuff. So nice. I feel like my body responds to my, to like what I wanted to do a lot better. I can like, my body's not just more on autopilot. I can actually like make decisions, stuff I want to do. So it's, a, it's just a little, little different stuff like that. Nice. Cause your body just moves on autopilot when you're really dehydrated. You're just tired. And like when you cut too much weight, you're you just don't really do things the way you want to. You're just mm-hmm. more like how you naturally flow or whatever. So okay. one fifty five is just a huge difference.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Great insight. We just ran in, you know, just witnessed uh, you know, a lot of people were speculating what TJ Dillashaw went through and they yeah. say that he lost some of that ability to take a fight or take a punch. I apologize.
2: Yep. When that's he dropped down. I think that's a big part. Like he just uh, like he he just couldn't do it. it. Just there's just not enough, there's just not enough food to run your brain. I mean, you're really, and he cut it. That was a hard weight cut. Even though it's just 10 pounds, it's, it's how much muscle he has and stuff. Like, right. I, I mean, I don't really, I know it's camp personally, but I think it was, I saw some pictures of him. He looked like death. He looked yes. like a, dead, yes. a really dead baby bird. And then he made weight and stuff and he rehydrated. But I just don't think the fluids, went back into his body properly.
1: Right. Yeah. And on the whole weight cutting thing, it always comes down to the percentage of your weight that you're trying to cut, you know, a 270 pound guy losing 10 pounds is, is nothing percentage wise. A 135 pound guy losing 10 pounds on top of already coming down from 50 or 60 is, is just massive. And and yeah,
2: I it, 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 it's been the even bigger thing is how much, uh, how much percent muscle you have? Like how much muscle you have? That's that was my biggest thing because I used to be able to cut the one forty five no problem, but when I start to like put on more muscle and get stronger and bigger, then my then I was like literally cutting in the muscle when I made weight. So it it changed the whole the whole process of how my body did it because I literally was literally eating at myself.
0: Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. So you know we're talking about you know the ability to to take a punch. Has there ever been a moment in a fight for you where, you know, you sized up your opponent through the fight camp, you know, expecting a certain amount of uh, power coming from them, you know, in various aspects of the fight? But has there ever been a time when, you know, a fighter has hit you and it was much more than you expected? Like you didn't think that they had that kind of power in them?
2: Yeah, that's what I get knocked out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Every time I've gotten knocked out, I'm like, why did he do that? Like <laughs> like I've never really had it like during a fight where I'm like, oh man, he hit hard, I thought he did. No, like usually when you you go you don't know you're gonna get knocked out. Right. It's like you're fighting and the next thing you know, you're like, it went black for a second, now I'm grabbing this guy. It's the referee. Oh shit. That's that's how it is. Like, yeah. you don't know it's going to happen. You, you, not really, you don't really underestimate them. It's just you don't expect it to happen that way. Right. But if you think about that too much when you're fighting, you're in the wrong sport, you won't really last too much if you're overthinking getting knocked out. So when it happens, you don't know it's going to happen. It just happens, and then it's gone.
0: Do you get, uh, do you get butterflies before the fight?
2: Every fight. Super nervous. Yeah. Fancy. I don't want to do it. I mean, like literally, before every fight, as I'm in the back room, I'm asking myself why I do this. I'm like, I'm stupid. I should have went to school. Should have done something there. This is dumb. I told myself I wouldn't do this after the last fight, but then you go and you do it.
0: That sounds like me before work every morning. <laughs> slightly, that's slightly different, Jim. Slightly right. different.
1: Well, as we're talking about, as we're talking about you being on the receiving end of some knockouts, and obviously that's that's humble of you to talk about that. Um, the, the positive side is that you've had seven KOs or TKOs, and some of the fights I've found, I've actually seen that you could have had more, but then you would throw in a rear naked choke, you know, so yeah. um, so you, you, you are kind of a ground and pound specialist, I hate to put that on you. Um, uh, so not.
2: Nah, I'm just a violent individual. So you're I'm a violent, to- individual. Well you're said. violent individual, well said. I'm like, I'm just trying to, like, and like, my body just goes in the autopilot where I get okay. your back, I get the choke on, I put the choke on. I'm just trying to, like, I explain this to my students. It's, the, the world of fighting is really weird. So if you don't approach it this way, I think you'll end up getting hurt. I approach fighting as in it's my job to kill the other person with a certain set of rules. It's sure. It's job to make sure I don't kill him. Mm-hmm. You ever watch any of my fights? I'll keep hitting you until the referee pulls me off you. That's his job. We all referee in, like in the back before pro fights. Card the, uh, the referee comes to him, he tells you it's my job to keep you. That's why I don't I don't ever like talk against referees. Like mm-hmm. when they, people say hey, stop fights early, it's their job to make sure no one gets hurt. That's nice. the referee's job. His job is to make sure no one leaves the fight with real injuries. Like that's his mm-hmm. job. So my job is to kill my opponent with a certain set of rules. I can't bring in a hammer. I can't bring <laughs> in a, or a gun or a knife. I have a certain set of rules, and in those set of rules, I'm, I'm not trying to beat you. I'm trying to kill you, and it's the referee's job to make sure I don't do that. So whatever way I can get to it, I get to it. Well, and I think there's
1: also that – that is a good mindset when you talk about – I always tell people that um, MMA fighting is – uh, like street fighting except if you remove all the weapons and get a referee, right? Exactly. Because one of the things that exactly. you're saying is that the literally. referee makes the
2: difference in it being he, he, he uh, saves people's lives, literally. Exactly. Like yeah. that's what he does. He saves people because if you not if you got knocked out and the person just kept punching the referee wasn't there, you'd be dead. If you yeah. was yeah. referee wasn't there, you'd be dead. If he was breaking your if he had an arm bar you didn't tap, you'd break you'd break your arm. So that's what the his job is to make sure you stay safe. And Absolutely. unfortunately, I think a lot of young fighters and a lot of experienced fighters don't think about fighting that way, mm. and then they get carved. <laughs> up, and it's, I mean, like, dude, you're gonna get, you're gonna meet someone that's ultra violent, and it's not gonna end well for you.
1: Well, getting back to your ultra violent, you have a, a nickname, the Death Star. Now, I have some guesses how you got that nickname, but I'd rather you say it.
2: Yeah, well, how did you get that nickname? My first amateur fight, I hit this guy with this uppercut, and he just, like, exploded. I mean, like, I hit him with an uppercut, and he just, like, fell. His feet were still sitting straight. The doctor had to come fix his feet, and someone said, oh, it looked like someone getting hit by the Death Star, and it just stuck and ran through. And that was basically it.
0: Interesting. Okay, so going back to your first loss – Uh, If you could go back to Mm -hmm. that moment before you were about to step into the ring and (coughs) start, what advice would you have given yourself, given that fighter, before his first loss?
2: By pro or amateur?
0: Pro. pro, I apologize. Pro.
2: Um, um, So my first pro loss, I fought this guy. He had never finished anybody. And I was like, oh, he's not going to try to go for the finish. As soon as he got my back, he went for the finish and he got it. So I would probably tell myself, like, wake up. Like, smack myself in the back of the head. Like, wake up. Like, because everyone's like, oh, this guy doesn't go for finishes. So I was like, oh, he's not going to go for the finish. And then that didn't happen. He, he finished. I lost my first profile.
0: Yeah, now, do you ever run those back in your head or watch tape? No.
2: No, you can't do that. I mean, like, I, I watch video on it and see the stuff I did wrong, and then it's like you, got, you have to let it go. Because it's not – it's it's like a – like um, – like, if you're going to get married, then you're holding on to your ex-wife. Think about stuff you did wrong. Right. Nah, just forget about her. Just, just, just move on. You got to move on. Like, when it comes to fights, you have to live in the moment. Last fight has nothing to do with this. I mean, this fight. Now, outside, that's why you have to have good coaches because your coaches fix the stuff that you did wrong, and then they try to fix it. But then you can't over, over like, anticipate things happen. The last fight is going to happen in this fight. So mm. oh,
0: Okay, so – is there one person or maybe a couple people that that have influenced you the most, or are the biggest influence for you um, when it comes to your fight camp?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, like my my coach, my definitely my coaches and my teammates, like just keep me, just keep me focused and stuff. Like my my boxing coach Chris, uh, my jujitsu coach Marshall. Uh, then there's uh, my wrestling coach Sylvester. And then I have my head coach, um, um, Dan Smirnoff. I, I call him Master White Fang. He's like one of those old guys from like one of the karate movies and stuff. But um, but yeah, I mean, like they, they, they. I just listen to coaches and stuff, and just like prep for fights. And I, I do a lot. Of, I do my own coaching as well, just because over the past like five or six years, I've been coaching. So I, I do prep myself as well for wow. um for fights, and then I'll take the advice from my coaches, and I also take the advice from my students and my training partners and stuff. I'm like, I've never been a big person like shut down information So I just take information wherever I can get it from.
0: Interesting.
1: Well, that's definitely a great attitude. I think part of MMA is just the sport itself. There's so much complexity and so many different tools. Like you you said it earlier in this interview that you're gonna wanna win any way possible that's legal. You know, if it's, and, and sometimes you'll see people invent or create. I'm thinking of Mighty Mouse's arm bar from the throw, right? Right. It's a brand new thing. How would a coach know that that was coming, right? It's a brand new thing. But being open in in training to your training partner pointing out something like that or giving you a tip, either good or bad, can really make a difference in a fight and lead you down a path that maybe you hadn't been on before.
2: So. Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: With your fight camps and you know, you're you're watching uh, what you eat, what you're putting into your body. Is there something in particular? Do you have um, superstitions, or is there some sort of tradition, like maybe a meal you eat the night before, or do you have mainstays during your fight camp food that you always go to?
2: No, I used to do stuff like that. And then I kind of like got out of it. I'm like, nah, uh, no, I just go with it. Like I said, I try, I try not to get too much into that thought that thought pattern or superstition and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm a big, like it is what it is type person. Like things are going to happen, whether you plan them or not. Like that's just how things happen. Like some people, a lot of people hate me because I think like that I was like, "Eh, well, it's going to happen. I mean, like it is, that's the thing though. Like it's going to happen and then you can deal with the consequences afterwards. Or you can sit around and try to like plan out things. Like I don't, I mean, I like to plan stuff, but I also don't over plan because what happens when you, when you plan, or overplan things. It usually doesn't go that way. Like my last fight, he didn't do anything like we thought he was gonna do. I'm sitting like oh, I'm not doing anything. Like it's, that's the thing, like especially in fights, if you over plan too much, it can be it can be a bad thing for you. So I I, I take what they have, I take what I have, and I throw it into a pot and I just start cooking. All
0: right. So you know, we go back 12, 13 years, um, and this is comma worthy before MMA. What other sports, if any, were you involved in, Or what was Kama like as
2: basketball? I thought I was gonna be in the NBA. Mm. I used to play basketball like every day. I used to like I could. I used to be able to name like whole rosters, like whole whole basketball teams. Like I go like I came a lot to one. Clyde Drexler on. Oh man, I can name a. I played basketball and I just stopped growing. I thought I was gonna stop growing. I I'm not getting any bigger. I'm. that's like I'm like five. I'm like, hold on. I'm like, probably like five, ten, and then it just stopped. That was pretty much it.
1: So. what was your what was your favorite team when you were big it,
2: in the NBA? Houston Because my older brother name is team, So it was Akeem and one. and I had a Clyde Jexter jersey and we would go to the park and we'd just play and I was like Clyde the Clyde. Akeem and Clyde to like Akeem and Clyde. Oh my I remember they won back to back championships. Oh my god. I remember like yeah. yesterday. Oh all yeah. And all those guys. Like I just watched basketball like it
0: was nuts
2: yeah have you moved away from basketball now like would you would you still yeah i, yeah. I don't really watch any sports but fighting now everything else bores me i'm not even watching the super bowl on sunday i just can't get into it i'm like ah. wow yeah so i didn't oh. even know the super bowl was this sunday until i was at the gym today and they gotta like, be doing for the super bowl i'm like oh that's this sunday like, ah, man. i haven't watched a full football game in probably four years since the stills were in the super bowl that's the last full game I watched
0: so um, you've got a brand new little girl yes you're uh, <laughs> you're the owner at uh, yep. the academy Pittsburgh um, you're coaching you're you know you got a lot of uh youngsters looking up to you you're also in the fight game yourself with a big fight coming up you know what if anything do you what else do you have time for and if you want to hear what else he has time for you're going to have to tune in to the next episode the second part of comma worthy's interview you'll get the rest of it checking back in with mma fancast